My name is George McKelman. I am a creative director and artist based in San Francisco. I design a lot of things, including a lot of cookbooks. And one fun fact about me is that I'm a tricky gay. I hate musical theater. I'm Jesse Sparks, and this is The One Recipe, a podcast that taps great chefs and home cooks and asks them a big question. What is their one? The recipe that they can make on autopilot anytime. This week, we're diving into the world of design and book publishing with George McCallman. George is a San Francisco-based artist and creative director. He's also the founder of the design studio, McCallman.co, the author of the new book, Illustrated Black Histories, and the creative director of the book, Black Food, by Bryant Terry. Here we go. George, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesse. I'm so thrilled, really thrilled to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you. The whole team is excited to have you. So you have been designing projects around food since the early 2000s, and you've been in publishing at large for more than 25 years. What first got you into the design and publishing worlds? Uh, You know, when I was in college, I don't think I ever would have gotten into publishing it was kind of a kind of sliding doors event that kind of moved me in this direction. I went to St. John's University in Queens in New York. I grew up in New York. And um, the last semester of the graphic design course I was in um, gave us an option of an internship. The last semester was a full internship. And I ended up going to three different, three different offices that were kind of three different directions in life. And one of them was a magazine that, uh, that I ended up interning at called Money Magazine. I went to a boutique um, design shop. I went to an ad agency and I went to a magazine. And I remember walking out of there and, you know, magazines are kind of newsrooms set up where people were bustling and there were conversations and people were talking over each other. And in my 24-year-old brain, I was like, ooh, that looks sexy. That looks good. And that was that was kind of it. That was the very superficial reason <laughs> that I decided <laughs> to intern at Money Magazine. And that started my whole career. Oh, my gosh. And you have not looked back since. So fast forward to now, you are working with a ton of different chefs, a ton of different food writers, and more on their cookbooks and other book projects, from Brian mm-hmm. Terry and Oriana Corrin mm-hmm. to Clancy Miller and Yawande Kamalafe. Mm-hmm. How do you go about choosing the various projects that you actually work on and the people that you work with? Well, I am in a luxurious place in my career where I get to say no to what I don't want to do. <laughs> hair flip, hair toss. I have worked for myself for the last 11 years, and it has given me just an agency within, I I feel no obligation to work on something that is not stimulating for me. And that's my criteria. If it teases my curiosity, if it teases my kind of cultural spider sense, I am really excited by projects and initiatives where people are really looking at culture. And all of these books are by people I really respect and, and love. And so you know, being a kind of steward of someone else's vision while having my own is kind of what I've settled into. And I, I see myself as a kind of aiding, 
you know, Clancy's vision for her her book and Nwande's and Bryant's and Nicole's. It's it's been a really important thing for me to just be in service, frankly, to someone else's someone else's ideas, but also I'm bringing my specific perspective to everything that I'm doing. And just for people who aren't already familiar, you're talking about Clancy Miller's new book for the culture, which you art directed, yes. design directed. <laughs> you're also talking about mm-hmm. Yawanda Kamalafa's upcoming cookbook. So a lot of people, when they think about these cookbooks, they only think about, you know, the recipe development side, or they're mm-hmm. only thinking about like the text that goes into it, but mm-hmm. not many people actually thinking about how much design right. goes into this. So kind of from your perspective as a designer, what's something that you hope to do differently or that you hope people notice in the projects that you're working on? Well, I, you know, that's part of what I'm enjoying right now is actually talking to people about the process. People don't really think about where their books come from. You know, there's this flat word that I absolutely detest called content. It makes me throw up in my mouth every single time someone says it, whether I know them intimately or it's someone on television, because it just flattens the process of a lot of people's hard work into this kind of meaningless word. And it is a meaningless word uh, because there is so much work and it is actually a really interesting process. It's kind of a factory of people collaborating, working together, each with different skill sets to make something that is greater than themselves. And I am fortunate in that I kind of sit at the intersection of that. And I'm working with all of the people who are producing the words. I'm working with all the people producing the images and the production people. I interact with every single person that goes into any website or anything that I'm making. And I think of myself as a kind of band conductor where I'm working with so many different people and I get to learn I've I've learned so much more about writing and editing through the process of designing books. I've been directing shoots my whole career, working with photographers to kind of create something that is unique to the project that we're working on. It's just like one of my great joys in life, you know, creating that visual language that people can just sit and take in and be inspired by and want to eat and want to make This is like the foundation of our human language. You know, food is history. And so thinking about the the context and the history of, you know, how we as Black people also culturally, you know, we, we are an oral tradition group of storytellers. And so the way that we tell stories are different than a lot of other people. And so I bring that into the book projects that I'm designing I want people to know that these are not just books, but these are kind of our visual language and our cultural narratives. Can you tell me a little bit more about who kind of passed down some of your family's recipes to you? Oh, yes, yes. Um, So for me, it is my grandmother. My grandmother um, was 99 and just fine, in case anyone's wondering. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I don't need your help. I'm doing A-OK on my own. She is just fine. She's just fine. Um, she's the one who taught me so much of who I am as a person. And she's my favorite storyteller. She's the most gifted storyteller I know. And she also taught me a lot about cooking and history. And, um, she doesn't cook so much anymore because she doesn't like the work. She's like earned 
her time to sit and read. She reads for most of the day. But I grew up learning the kind of oral way. Like my grandmother didn't never wrote her recipes down. And every time I would ask her as an adult to write her recipes down, she would always get agitated and be like, that's not, that's not how you cook. You know, right. It's like, you have to kind of feel your way into it. And here's what I can tell you about that. And I have really internalized a lot of that. Like I refer to recipes, but I always put my own spin. I, I have rarely ever copied a recipe that I was cooking in a, in a precise way. It's one of the reasons that I am not a good baker because I don't like people telling me what to do in the kitchen. <laughs> okay. But the funny thing about that is that that is so many people in food where it's just yes. like, I, I don't cook when I'm at home because I do that for work or I, yes. I cook the simplest yes. thing possible because I don't like being told what to do. I like figuring it out on my own. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I really, I enjoy cooking. I really do enjoy cooking, but I, I always love deviating from what someone else is suggesting. And I, I listen, I read the, the suggestions, but I always want to pull in. And so many people, cooking is like a desire to make the thing that they have seen and that their senses are stimulating by. For me, it's always like, mm, I, I, that sounds good, but what about this? I like that a lot. That mm. that yes and. So I've kind of stepped around it a little bit, but I got to know. George, what is your one recipe? My one recipe is, it was one of my favorite dishes that my grandmother used to make. So I grew up, I was born and raised in the country of Grenada, which is in the lower parts of the West Indies, the Caribbean. And so just right off the coast of South America, Venezuela. And, you know, my grandmother was a creature of economy. She went out and she got the fish and she scaled the fish. And she cut the fish and she she just did everything. And so she was often in the kitchen all day long. And I have a love of the simplest forms of recipes that she used to make. So this dish is called fried jacks. And it's a it's a little white fish. Uh, it's like a, from the family of, of, of flying fish. And it's basically breaded with curry, with salt, with pepper. And you just kind of flip it on both sides and then you preheat and then you put it in and the smell rises and it's like easy access and it is so delicious. And it just like, she would make it for me just because she knew I loved it. And it was a simple recipe that she'd be done in 10 minutes. And then we both sit down and eat it together. Oh, I love that so much. And it it just sounds like this is the type of recipe that she just had so committed to memory that... Yes. You know, she's making it on autopilot. She's mm-hmm. making it at any time. Mm-hmm. Wait, okay, so I got to know the full story. What all is in your curry mix or your curry powder? So whenever I go to Grenada, and I, I'm there quite often now, I, I spend a lot of time in the Caribbean. Because I work for myself, I can work pretty much anywhere. And Just really suffering, just truly going through it. I'm tough, so sorry. Stuff I know. <sighs> I'm so difficult. So hard being God's favorite. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I get um, West Indian curry. I get Grenadian curry. And from what I've learned from my Indian friends from India, it's really different. Like so many ingredients that passed through the Middle Passage and passed through the Caribbean before it went to the Americas, everything has been uh, remixed. You know, some would call it bastardized. 
thankfully we have language and it's remixed. So it's it's a little bit sweeter, it's a little bit tangier, it is very colorful. You know, there are different kinds of curry that you get, but when you put that in, it just tastes like home every single time. So you're thinking um, you're using curry to mean more of like a spice mix from yes. all of these different places. Yes. Um, a lot of different regions will have their own specific variations due to like the yes. the spices that were traded or brought through exactly um, the spice and slave trades as well, yes. which is what yes. you kind of meant when you when you were referring to the Middle Passage also. So just for anyone who was like, wait, wait, wait that moved really fast. For, for context, <laughs> yes. Throwing some history in there. Exactly. Food is history. And if you're actually curious about where things come from, you're going to bump up against some <laughs> some spice and slave trade. Just just a little bit, you just know? a just a just a scotch, just a pinch. So so as you are kind of preparing it now, you are mainly using the dry spices, yes, and you're mixing those in with the flour, right? Exactly. So it's so when you're rolling the fish, you're basically just coating it with all of the spices, and of course you can. Let it sit for a little bit. You know, if you really want to feel the flavor, you can let it marinate or you can put it, she would put it in the refrigerator sometimes and just let it sit for an hour or so just so everything could soak in. But if you're hungry and you really want to want to hit it, you can just roll bread it up. Um, the recipe that, I, that I'm providing doesn't have breadcrumbs in there, but that's that's one thing that you can add to it, which will affect the flavor of the fish. And it's a fish that is boned, but the bones are really kind of minimal and it's really along the middle middle spine of the fish. So it's easy to kind of dislodge the top and the bottom without having to deal with bones getting in your teeth. And it's so delicious. It's like it's, it's a sweet white fish. It's so delicious. And for anyone at home who's just like, hey, I may not have access to Jack's. Any whitefish will will pretty much work here. It's more about the preparation, that kind of curation of spices that you want that are going to be a little bit sweeter, a little bit more mellow. We're not necessarily going full spice yes. here. We're we're really just trying to to coast out that kind of flavor to savor to just kind of wake it wake it up exactly. And it's a mild flavor, and depending on how much curry you put in, uh, the curry mm-hmm. can overpower it. But it's really just there for a little bit of flavor and a little bit of color. And how long are we deep frying each side? Or are we shallow frying? It's a shallow frying. And, and this fish is w- the one that I that the recipe is named after is a small enough mm-hmm. fish that it's really just a couple of minutes. But depending on the kind of white fish that you have, you might need to fry it a little bit longer just to make sure that it cooks all the way through. Ooh, okay. And you're you're just using a standard neutral oil? Standard neutral oil, yes. My grandmother used canola oil because that was what was available. Uh, but I would recommend olive oil. You know, I, I cook with a lot of olive oil and sometimes uh, some Greek oil also, which I find is a very sweet and it adds an extra, extra boost that olive oil is neutral enough. <sighs> George, that sounds like such a perfect and simple weeknight kitchen dinner. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. Thank you so much for having me. George McCallman is the author and illustrator of Illustrated Black History, honoring the iconic and the unseen. You can find the recipe for his fried jacks on Instagram at the.one.recipe and at theonerecipe.org. This week's episode was made for you by producer Erica Romero, associate producer Ren Farrell, technical director Alex Simpson, and digital producer James Napoli. Sally Swift is our managing producer. 
APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffer, and Joanne Griffith. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. The One Recipe was created by Sally Swift and Erica Romero. I'm Jesse Sparks. This is APM Studios. Go make some magic.